Syndrome City is a podcast started by Sydney-based UX designers Tamara and Alex. It hopes to explore and start conversations around diversity in the tech space. If you would like to contact us or be on the podcast, please email us on syndrome.city.podcast at gmail.com. To episode nine, we've had a two-week pause because reasons, and I'm gonna blame everything on Corona because it's the most obvious reason right now. Instead of blame Canada, it's today, blame Corona. Really, really, like <laughs> for to this episode, I'm really, 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 really excited because there's that know me, know that I've been looking for someone from the Middle East in the tech industry for about four months now. And Huda Shehab, she is going to introduce herself. She works at Atlassian, correct me if I'm wrong. And go ahead, Huda, introduce yourself. Give us a bit of your background. Yeah, um, so as Tamara said, my name is Huda. Um, so I was born and raised in Sydney, but both my parents were actually born in Beirut in Lebanon. Um, so mum came here when she was three years old and then dad immigrated over after they got married so that would have been like 30 years ago now um I wow yeah quite a while um I work at Atlassian (laughs) so I work as a software developer um did my bachelor's degree at Sydney uni um did a double degree in software engineering and science which was fun but then kind of realized that I could have just done comp sci and been out of there in three years instead. (laughs) (laughs) This was all of us. Yeah um but you know like no regrets because I met like some of my really closest like really close friends in my final year at uni so you know if I had done that three-year degree I wouldn't have met them. Um, I now work with a whole heap of them now as well like at Atlassian. Two of them are on my immediate team. Finally manage that <laughs> it was like a long life goal my friends on the same team as me and now I have two of them so super super happy about that um yeah I don't know what else to really say I wasn't really into tech growing up like I didn't know what it was until I discovered it kind mm. of in my high school years like around year 11 um you know, like you hear a lot of stories about people that work in tech that like grew up making websites. Like I didn't know what a website was, like knew how to connect the dial up to get mm-hmm. onto the internet. And that was about it. Um, in my spare time, I love to cook. I love to bake. Um, I recently took up running, but that's on hold now because of Ramadan. So we're fasting. So I'm trying to not <laughs> run while I'm fasting. Um, I know some people that do, and I just think that they're a bit too intense. Oh. I mean, like power to them. I obviously, I'm like, I'm not doing Ramadan, and I can't find any time to run ever because I'm I, not a running person. Yeah. So I never used to be a running person, and then I don't know. Just one day, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give this a shot, and I'm actually gonna try. Um, and I actually did pretty well. Like up until a couple weeks ago, when like Ramadan started, I also had like had like a basketball injury that came up again. So all that kind of jazz. 
was going to say, like, I, I did um, like, vocal works last night because I, um, I actually did singing for the first time in ages. And I think I did, like, three, four hours of singing. And afterwards, I was so tired and thought I was going to be sick because it was such a physical workout. And I'm like, if this is my level of, like, physical fitness at the moment, I'm, I'm very concerned. <laughs> I feel like I'm different where I'm like, oh, this is the only time where my mouth is shut and I'm not eating. It's also a good time to work out <laughs> two in one, you know, this <laughs> while it's still here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, like, I know so many people that are like, oh, yeah, like, working out while you're fasting is great. And I'm just like... If I, like, when I work out, I will go through, like, a litre of water during the workout. Like, I don't know how you guys do it. It's crazy. So you're a smart cookie. What got you into software development? Yeah, so as I mentioned, um, I didn't grow up in a tech household. Like, my parents, you know, had, like, mobile phones, but that was about it. They they themselves are not in the tech industry. Um, no one in my family is. And so I went to a um, all girls private high school in Northwestern Sydney um, called Tara. So it's an Anglican school. And I did um, the, so in year eight, you kind of can pick like an elective. So I picked like um, IST, I think it was called at the time. And then for year nine and 10, you can choose to kind of keep it on or like get rid of it. And I kept it on for nine and 10. Like I enjoyed the computing stuff. And then when it came time to choosing subjects for the HSC, um, my teachers at the time were kind of, you know, trying to encourage us to take on like the IPT classes, but then also kind of told a few of us, hey, like there's a software design development course that I think, you know, you girls in particular would really enjoy. And so we were super lucky because at the time only mm -hmm. three girls decided that they wanted to do this course. And so my cohort itself was mm. small. Like we had 60 girls, I think, by the time we were in grade 11. So for them to still run the course for only three girls was awesome. Like not many schools would do that for you. So I was really lucky in that sense um, because it was in that class that I first got to code. And I remember it was like Visual Basic 6. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, like Java or Python or anything, you know, that I like to use today. But it was enough to get me hooked on the idea of programming and wanting to know more about it. And so then when it came time to picking what subjects I wanted to take for university, it was like, well, started to look into the different types of engineering degrees. Like I knew I wanted to be an engineer growing up. I love building things like give me Lego, give me Ikea flat packs. Like that's, you know, my thing. Love them. So I started looking into all the different types of engineering that were available and realized, hey, there's actually like a software engineering thing that combines this thing that I did in year 11 and 12 that I actually really liked and started looking into like, what is a software engineer and what is a program and realized that there's people that get paid to do this thing that I really enjoyed. I'm like, ha, yeah. huh. <laughs> interesting. Um, let's see what that's all about. <laughs> so then signed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, put in my preference to do like the flexible first year degree at Sydney Uni where you basically kind of get like a taste of a couple of the different engineering. So you do like a chemical engineering subject and then like a mechatronic one and then a software one and really enjoy the software subjects. And yeah, that, like that's kind of how it all started for me. If it wasn't for like that, those teachers and that school and that research I probably would not have ended up where I am today. 
I was going to actually ask, because um, obviously me and Tamara um, just came out of UX, which is on the design side of things. What was it about, um, about development that you, about software development particularly, that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So I, I tend to be a very, like, mathematical person, like, very analytical. Um, like, I, I mentioned that I did a science degree as well, and my major in the science degree was a pure mathematics major. Um, I still can't add numbers together and I still <laughs> off by 10 whenever I'm doing like, like arithmetic, but nonetheless, you know, I did do like a mathematics major. Um, however, the thing I loved about programming and I still love about programming is that it has that very analytical side of it, but then it also has that creativity. Like there are so many ways to solve a single problem in IT. And so for me, it's, I get to kind of, be a little bit creative, but then still also use those, you know, analytical skills that I really do love um, and that I, I find interesting, really, and challenging. So, like, there's some really challenging problems in the tech space that keep your brain working, which is kind of nice. So, speaking of having two friends on the same team, are you guys all software developers as well? Yes, we are. So, um, they're the two, those two friends in particular are ones that I met in my final year of uni. We did a lot of like our group projects together. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Fun. Um, really fun. <laughs> so what, um, if you're allowed to tell us, what are you working on at Atlassian at the moment? Yeah. Um, so the team I'm on is a platform team. So the, the stuff that I build isn't part of any one of our products. It actually backs a lot of the products that, that Atlassian sells and builds. Um, so we're responsible for two key things, really, if we break it down. Um, it's the analytics service for Atlassian. So it's um, handling all of the analytic events that come from our products and creating the pipeline and maintaining that pipeline in order to ensure that those events end up in the right, you know, data lakes and the right tables and stuff at the end of the day. Um, and then also a feature flagging service. So, you know, rather than having to, you know, if there's like a, feature that wants to get rolled out slowly uh you can just like flick some toggles and that feature will you know go from being on for zero people to 10 percent to 20 percent to whatever percent of people that you want to send it out to and that just kind of allows us to make sure that as we're releasing things we're you know getting feedback on the on those changes before we go and are like oh hey here you go everyone take this feature that may not actually be as great as we think it is. Um, it's also really great because, you know, like in software, bugs do happen. As much as we try and avoid that, you know, like with testing and all that, it, they do happen. And so being able to kind of flick a switch and turn something off to prevent that bug from impacting a customer while we, you know, go and fix it and then do another release to patch it up and that having that ability to turn it off is just awesome because in the end, our customers are what we care about most and having them experience a bug in the time it takes us to go out and do that fix and deploy it isn't great. So being able to flick a switch and have it go back to like a good experience is pretty neat. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So, so my team is all about measurement and it's all about like, so, so he comes like kind of like data science kind of thing, but we're all about getting, um, all of our teams being able to accurately measure the changes that they're releasing to customers in the hope that mm -hmm. in the end, we're only releasing good things to our customers. Like from start to end, how long the project usually lasts for you guys from like the minute they give you the brief to like actually presenting it, let's say. 
Yeah, look, if, like, this is one of those answers where it's like, damn it, really? But it's like, it really depends on the project. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give you like a set, like a set um, thing. So generally we try and work in like within a within quarters so we'll kind of have like a focus yeah. or like a set of projects that we want to complete within a three-month period um so most of our projects we try mm -hmm. and keep around that like month and a half-ish time frame so that way we can get like a couple projects happening at the same time it also depends like how big your team is having said that like i've been on projects that have lasted a week and i've been on projects that have lasted four to five months um, and then, you know, like you finish off that project, but then the service that you built, you still own. So then you still need to maintain and then you kind of get like projects that piggyback off that initial one. Um, Atlassian itself has had projects that have gone on for like, you know, a year or two. Like these are some of our like really big architectural changes that touch, you know, every product. And, and those are things that, you know, you have like the big project itself takes years, but the sub projects themselves then take less time. So I wish I could give you like a, yeah, you know, everything gets done in like a 12 week period and that's our release cycle. <laughs> it's not like, it's, um, especially for like platform because you I'll just get uh, curious. That's yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, so, um, coming back to what I was going to ask before, um, cause I know you were mentioning that obviously you want to try and put the customer first. And I know that's part of the ethos, mm. I think for Atlassian, um, so what is it like kind of like upholding that and being part of the Atlassian team? Um, so when I, I'm going to like backtrack a bit because when I first was like interviewing at Atlassian, it was like the only company where it was really easy to work out what their values were. Like I remember like when I, whenever I was interviewing, um, back at like in university, <coughs> I would like try to find the company values because it's like one of those questions that you sometimes think that people might like ask or you know you think it will sound good to kind of like throw those words in in an interview yeah. and every other company mm -hmm. was like really difficult to find out like what they are or you read them and they just sound like the up. same yeah, yeah. Or, or just like, like photocopy <laughs> of like another company but then you get to Atlassian it's like oh wait like these are five values and they actually sound pretty damn decent and they're like but it's too good to be true. Like there's no way they like always try and put the customer first. And there's no way, you know, like, like, you know, playing as a team, like, you know, there's like, they're so into teamwork and stuff. And then I remember like mm -hmm. walking in to do my onsite interview and the values are just like plastered on a wall. Like as soon as I walked in. Um, so this would have been like six years ago. And then you're like walking in like the halls, they're giving you like a tour and I actually remember like someone like just outright saying like one of the values, I think it was like, you know, just build with heart and balance, man. Like, you know, it's all good. And I'm just like, wait, that's a value. Like, why is that being said? And I kid you not, like, I do not think there is any Atlassian that does not know all five values off by heart. And that, for me, that's just crazy. Like I would have never imagined that that could have been possible. So, you know, like you ask about, you know, how, how like, putting the customer first happens. I think it's like, because our values are so ingrained in our day to day that it feels wrong not to put the customer first in everything that we do and not to try and build the best products that we can. And you know, like we're humans, right? Like we're not perfect. And sometimes we will make mistakes, but I've never seen Atlassian, you know, be afraid from owning up to those mistakes and being like, Hey, you know what? Like we did mess up and here's what we're going to try and do to be better. Um, but, you know, like I've seen, you know, so many like internal pages where it's been like, you know, like this, this 
feature we want to release it but we're not going to because we know our customers aren't going to like it and seeing that you know written down and actually acted upon it then sets the standard for new developers that come in because they see that this is the bar and that's what we need to keep maintaining and it's just trying to make sure that that culture stays there which I think you know so far we've done a decent job at but you know it'll be interesting as we continue to scale. I think it's great as well because like you ingrain those into your developers because I know Atlassian has a fantastic um, graduate program where you're basically taken from just uh, finishing university and you're trained and those values are ingrained into you and then obviously if you then eventually leave Atlassian you take those values with you and it yeah. helps branch out across the tech industry. Yeah. That's, think what, we, that's what we hope for. <laughs> I think it's awesome and I definitely like think it's a great thing because obviously us being UX designers we also always keep customer at core yeah. of whatever we do so I think it's like a fantastic value yeah. for such a big mm -hmm. company to have I'd love to know because <laughs> I know you've you've only worked at Atlassian so far haven't you um as like a full-time role yes I did intern um for a couple months at a couple other places during university but since then yeah it's only been Atlassian because I'd love to hear some career highlights or career peaks for you, from you. Oof. Um, or even like potential ones that you have, like your goals. Yeah. <laughs> so, like very recently, um, the feature flagging service that my team has been, I think we, we started it maybe towards the end of last year. And about mm -hmm. a month ago, we were actually able to get it completely like rolled out into um, like Trello. So mm -hmm. one of our like bigger products, um, which was super awesome because it meant that we got to like work with the team over in New York and well, really like all parts of the US because a lot of that team works remotely. Um, but yeah, like working with them and just the back and forth between like, hey, is this working for you? What isn't like, you know, oh, sorry guys, like there's a bug, you know, we can get like a fix out for you at this time, which is like a similar process to most other projects. But I think this one was one that we got to build out a new service. We got to kind of design it ourselves. We got to get a product on board like pretty quickly. And it was a product that mm. billions of people use every day. So getting to see that real world impact on quite like a large scale. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like the team, the team that we were working with, the Trello team was just awesome. Like great bunch of developers and testers and, you know, designers and everything. And it was just a really good process overall. And I learned a lot as well, you know, mm. myself, like I love projects where I don't know anything at the beginning. And then by the end, it's like, ha, huh, I understand how this works now. Yeah. <laughs> putting it to practice yeah and oh, that's awesome um also like speaking of because you mentioned that a lot of the Trello team worked remotely and obviously with yeah. everything going on at the moment pretty much everyone at Atlassian is working remotely so how are you going with working remotely and with everything with COVID going on the answer yeah. to that question changes based on when you ask me the question. <laughs> if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said horribly, I want to go back to the office. Um, but this week has been a highlight. Like this week and last week has actually been going really well. I think I finally settled into like a routine that works for me at home. Mm. Um, the lockdown restrictions have been 
you know, like they're not great. Like, you know, I, I because I'm at home and I'm working at home, um, my only reasons to go out is to do exercise or to like go to Coles, um, you know, like go get mm. groceries. And there was a time where like even going to get groceries, I wasn't doing because someone else, in, like I live at home with my parents and my brother. And so like they were the ones going and doing that stuff because they still have to go to work. Like they're classified, like my parents are classified as essential workers. They own a um, convenience store. So mm -hmm. like they're, they're already out and about, they're going to do those shops. So finally now I've set them into a routine where it's like, wake up super early. I'm like eating before the sun rises so that I have energy to get through my day. Um, I, I will try. Do that. <laughs> I never used to be able to, but oh my that. God, it has changed my life. And the thing is, the thing that I've realized is I have to have a coffee. Otherwise there's no way it's happening. Um, I can get up and pray, but I can't do anything else after that. I just, I crash. I, I, I used to, I used to be like that, but I don't know, like last year I started doing it. And then this year I've like, I've been waking up at four ish most mornings this, this year. Um, like for, I think for you right now, it's like a, it's like a double, I call it a black hole. It's like a double black hole where it's like, you have to work at home now because of COVID, but then yeah. it's like, Oh, Ramadan's the end. That's just like a double thing happening right now how do you feel about that <laughs> yeah like I don't know I'm really enjoying it right now um you know, <laughs> like I wake up early I have my coffee I eat I then like will start prepping food for dinner like early in the morning so then that way during the day I can just focus on work mm. um I'm starting work by about like 6 six thirty most mornings and then like logging off by like 2 30 ish <laughs> Just because by then it's like, well, I've done my work day and, you know, I've actually like done most of my stuff because it's so quiet in the house in the morning. And there's like, I cannot have distractions. Like I can't go outside and be distracted. It's still dark out or it's still too cold. So I'm like, well, I might as well get yeah. work done. Um, and then I try and like, so my break is, you know, instead of having like a lunch break, I'll just go out and like try and walk for an hour nearby just so that I'm actually getting out and seeing some sun mm. and getting some fresh air otherwise I just end up literally staying in my room like we my, my desk is, is in my room like I can literally just turn around roll over and be in my bed <laughs> bed desk desk bed yeah which I will be honest one of the perks of working at home is when I need to I'm having a nap <laughs> I am a huge fan of napping <laughs> would recommend um it's been a tough day I'm napping I have outright told my team, guys, I am tired. I will be back in half an hour. I'm having me a 20 minute nap and I will have my nap and come back. That's great. Like it's, so I don't know how I'm going to go back to working that. in an office where I have to like actually be productive for those eight hours straight rather they than need to have under the desk. Just breakout rooms with nap rooms. Like I'm, I'm scheduling yes. that room over there. 20 minutes nap. I'll be back. So I found yeah. out recently that you can get standing desks that are strong enough to have a hammock underneath them. <laughs> it needs to be done. You need to set the new standard for Atlassian of I hammock desks. Need to see I, this. Yeah, I just want to know what I need to do to get one at work. <laughs> you, you have to try this now. You have to see if you can get it done. If yeah. not just for the lulls of it. I should. I think I'm going to try. <laughs> and then I'll let you know how it goes. Take a photo and post it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>
Yeah, but yeah, like, so sorry. So we're like, saying that. Continue, continue. I was going to say, like to, answer, like, to answer your question, thankfully now, like, I yeah. have my routine, so working from home has actually been really nice. Um, it also means that I have more time to do, like, house chores, which someone has to do them. Um, <laughs> and I'd rather it be, like, me and my brother <laughs> instead of my mum having to do them, so... Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah, I know you. I know you said also that you you're an avid cook. You like baking, so I'm I'm guessing getting to like with Ramadan going on, being able to like start something early in the morning means you get to have that satisfying thing of having one of those like long cooked meals, and then being able to finally have it once the sun goes down. Yeah, um, I am by no means a great chef or anything. I just really like to cook. <laughs> Um, and then post photos of it on my Instagram stories. <laughs> I'm obsessed with your Instagram sure. stories, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like for me, I like cooking and baking is something that I've always really enjoyed doing, but just like with having a commute and then coming home and then there's just always like more important things you need to do, you know, like you need to, you know, like try and get a workout in, at least for me, that's like something I try and do. Usually fail at it, but I try mm -hmm. Um, you know, try and like get, you know, <laughs> like, like do the washing, do all that kind of stuff. And then by the time all that's done, it's like dark, it's late, you've had a full day at work, don't really want to have to like take things out of a pantry, cook, and then like wash up and clean. Yeah. So being able mm -hmm. to have like a full day where I suddenly have like at least two hours of my day back because I'm no longer commuting, mm -hmm. I can actually put it towards things that I enjoy. And for me, that's cooking and baking. Um, so, you know, being able to, like, I'm trying to learn a lot of, like, the traditional Lebanese dishes. So I've been, um, like, calling up my grandma, being like, hey, Teta, like, how do I make morabiyya? And then having her, like, send me photos and voice messages on WhatsApp, being like, that's okay, amazing. here are the steps. And then I'm going to send that like, yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah, so I made that for the first time, um, I think it was, like, about a week ago. And my grandma literally sent me, like, voice messages being like, okay, here's what you need to do. Um, and then with like, and she's like, oh, I'm actually going to make it like, I'm making it today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take photos for you. And it took photos of each of the steps. So she's like, this is how the onions should look after you've cooked them. And then this is how the, the mohrabiya should look after you've boiled it. And then this is how it should look as it's cooking. And then this is how it looks when it's done. And then being like, and if you need any help, you know, call me, we'll video call. Um, and, and we'll sort it all out. That's so lovely. I know that's how I roped you in coming on today is with my crystal recipe. Yes, I still yet to make it. I'm thinking maybe this weekend or next weekend. I think from memory, it's, it's, it's very easy to make. It mm. sounds or, and looks harder than it actually is. It's just I, um, I know there's like a specific Italian uh, ingredient in it that I wasn't able to find initially. And like it has the substitute in that for it though. And yeah. it worked out great. Like we did a sugar-free version with um, xylitol and it came out really yeah. nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm always up for like recipe sharing and all that kind of stuff. So the banana bread came way. out great, by the way. I still have a piece. <laughs> it's like defrosting on the thing because like, we put it in the fridge, so I want it to be like not freezing cold when I, when I want to go eat it later. Tonight. I've been like toasting mine and then buttering it and I'm just like, yeah. this is the best. This is my breakfast for the next three mornings. Yum. You guys like banana bread? Yeah. You don't? Well, I yeah, do I think, I think that's I'm the... sorry. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> but, okay, no, here's the thing. Where have you had banana bread from? I just don't like it in general. But I where did you have it like from? The, the hype? 
I don't remember. I don't yeah. like it to have it that much. I so think I never like used to like it. Back. Yeah. I used to be like you because I actually really dislike banana flavored anything. So for me, like bananas mm. in bananas in like desserts, banana ice cream, all that kind of stuff. Even like banana flavored lollies, do not like them. But I once had like mm. a really good banana bread and that got me hooked. So I never buy it like when I'm out unless I know that cafe does a really good one because of like you can tell like by the way it comes out. And then yeah. I went over to a friend's house and they had made this banana bread and I was like, oh, I don't really want it. And they're like, no, no, trust me, try it. And I tried it and I was like, holy crap, please give me that recipe. <laughs> See, like I only ever like it when it's toasted. Like if it's not toasted, I'm like, uh, it's yeah. just, mm. but then as soon as like you get a good quality one and you toast it and you put butter on it, it's just, yeah. it's not banana bread anymore. It's some kind of it's, heaven toast. It's cake. <laughs> it's cake. It's, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest here yeah. I know like definitely I think we've been seeing it pop up a lot during COVID that everyone's like really getting into baking yeah. and cooking right now I mean I know like on Easter I made and I think I showed you the um the lemon meringue pie yes that I want to remake but I am so like scared because it Hold takes on. so much time mm. back um and like I know my mom probably wants me to make it for Mother's Day and I'm just like uh it doesn't transport well yeah you might have to like do the base and then add the meringue on when you get there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Cause um everything else will probably transport fine. It's just the meringue side that's the hard part. And cause I um I bake it in the oven anyway. And I mean everyone has an oven, so <laughs> I just can do the um <clears throat> the meringue there and then just pop it straight into the oven. Yeah. I just think I'm not a butter person either. <laughs> Again, I also I'm really not... don't like butter, but when it's on. Like when it's on specifically banana bread toast or pancakes. Yeah. They're the only time, or maybe okay. like vegetables. I think the only thing I can say is one of you makes banana bread and I will try it off of you. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in for that. <laughs> okay. So going back to everything we were talking about. So you seem pretty happy with everything and you set, set a schedule and you feel like your life's in control. Do you think the workplace will do better or work differently after all this has like settled down and Corona's gone? I, I don't know. I've kind of been asking myself that question recently and like actually like asking my teammates, like what they think is going to happen after all this kind yeah. of settles down and things start to go back to normal. Um, I think if anything, we've proven that working remotely works. Um, you know, to be able to kind of go from working at your office to all of a sudden, like being told, Hey, you know, guys, like we need you to go home, um, and like not come back into the office tomorrow <laughs> and like start setting up a, a, an environment for you to work from home for, yeah. um, and have, you know, I'm not gonna like, there were disruptions. It wasn't all, you know, all of a sudden, like we were back at hundred percent work capacity the next day, but things didn't mm -hmm. completely break down. You know, like we were able to effectively communicate with one another. Um, like zoom has been like, it's, it's what we use at, a, at Atlassing currently to, to do all of our VCs. And it's been like really great for us to make sure that we can still get those um, like face to face chats happening, even though it's like face to screen chats technically. Um, 
you know, yeah. like <laughs> you have like, you know, your instant messaging on Slack and then just keep keeping like meeting notes up to date and stuff on like our Confluence pages and like just updating Jira tickets well enough with like really good updates has been really useful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like, as I mentioned, like uh, the Trello team, like most of them actually already were working remotely before this. And we did have some teams at Atlassian that were um, working remote. And so they kind of were like, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Like we've, we've been doing this for ages. Like you guys are just finally getting on this trend, but having the whole company kind of do that switch over <laughs> in the space of, I think it was like maybe a week and a half or two weeks. Cause like our US offices started working from home a little bit before the Sydney one I did and a couple of the other offices. And so I think now we're basically feeling like it's starting to feel a lot more steady. First couple of weeks were a bit like, mm interesting you know i think people were just trying to get used mm. to it um super tough on anyone with kids like honestly kudos to them um being yeah, able to kind of sure. balance work from home and yeah. having kids around like i'm i'm super lucky in the sense that my work day there is no one else in the house so it is super quiet for me i don't have those distractions mm. um yeah i think it'll be super interesting to see how many teams kind of request to stay remote after this especially like within Atlassian yeah um I for those that don't want to stay remote I would be curious to see whether they decide to go hey like as of this date we're going to be back in the office full time or if they you know there's been like ideas floating around of do we go back to work like one day a week first and then try and like transition back into it mm -hmm. um because you know like <clears throat> breaking up a routine takes 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 its toll and then you kind of need to build up a new one and yeah. so how do you kind of do that effectively and and with going from working on on site to being remote we didn't have that chance to transition it was like you know everything with covid was so sudden and lockdowns were like being announced out like left trying to send it out of nowhere right so it was we didn't have that chance to kind of be like hey we're gonna start going remote one day a week and then two days a week it was your remote like you know yeah I think that's something that not a lot of people have talked about yet is how like there's been talk of you know how we went into lockdown what we're doing in lockdown and talk of the future when we're no longer in lockdown but there's not been a lot of talk of how we're slowly going to transition back in because like you said it's it's going to be just as disruptive if we pull everyone straight yeah. out of remote and put them straight back into full-time work because yeah. people have built routines, built new ways of coping with remote mm. life. And now it's going to have to be like, okay, well, yeah. especially for someone who has to travel, it's going mm. to be like, I have to readjust that schedule completely again. Yeah. Yeah. I know, how, so how have you both been planning, like having to be at home? Uh, long. Yeah. <laughs> Days are long. No, um, I think it's, it, it takes time definitely I think to adjust and even when like because me and my uh, well myself tomorrow is working a little bit but I'm not working at the moment I'm still job hunting and having so much time and not specific things that you need to do and not having deadlines or work to get or traditional work mm. to get done it does make it really really hard you're just kind of and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people who probably work in uh, retail that isn't open at the moment or yep. other um, industries that have been shut down and they don't have work that they can do at home it's just kind of like well, what mm -hmm. do I do and it's a lot about just kind of trying to build routine and go okay well I'm gonna set these things that I would I would consider work which it might be cleaning the house it might be 
for me applying for jobs or upskilling mm -hmm. or something like that. And I'm going to set these as actual work hours and give myself one or two work yeah. tasks to do in the day so that I can feel like I'm accomplishing something and then still allow mm -hmm. myself to have downtime and enjoyment time um, because they, you shouldn't be feeling guilt for having to have extra downtime because of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way because like you mentioned, Hoda, like you can't just throw people on site and then off site and then it's a bit messy. And I feel like it's the same with like recruitment. So if they were to hire anyone, I saw they're still figuring that process out itself. It's like, oh, then how do we train them? Do we train them on site or off site? I think right now they're sort of in this phase where it's like, okay, well, we don't want to take anyone in because we don't know how to, you know, prepare them for anything or like how to understand our culture and how we work. I feel like that's another part for like me and Alex as well, where we get responses being like, oh, we'd love to have you. However, we can't in this situation take in a junior, which is really difficult for us to hear, obviously. Yeah. But it's understandable because like having to, when your company <laughs> is still trying to figure out how it's going to present its services remotely and still working with its own teams on how they're working remotely and how they're eventually going to transition back to also have to hire someone in a time like this. You're going to need somebody who can come straight in and mm -hmm. just kind of like get the job done at the same level of everyone else. Whereas if you are mm -hmm. hiring a junior, even though they might be really competent, you're going to have to take that risk of, am I going to have to siphon knowledge to them first before we can get them to a point where they're going to be able to help us, yeah. which is why we're hiring anyway. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Tough. Yeah, it's interesting times for a lot of people, and I think like, at least for me, I'm super lucky that I was just in the right industry at the right time, right, and like at the right company as well. You know, like I, I'm I'm lucky enough that I can work from home. There's a lot of people that aren't in that position, and so my heart goes out to anyone who you know sadly isn't able to work during these times. And hopefully, it all kind of wraps up pretty soon, so everyone can get back to life as it was before <laughs> whatever normal is yeah well, whatever normal will be i don't know <laughs> i think it's definitely so made people more up. health cogenic oh okay yes sorry <laughs> i get very excited do you take up any side projects during this time besides uh, like yeah so no, not really. Like, I think for me, my side projects have just been learning new things to cook and bake. Um, I love it. Yeah, I think, I like, that's something that I've always kind of tried to do. It's just now it's a lot more frequent. So previously it might have been I would have learned, like, how to bake something new, like, once every month or two. Now it's once every week, if not twice a week. So that, mm -hmm. like, that frequency has just been increased. Um, I love doing puzzles. Like it is, it is like for me, it's just a great way to just zone out, um, you know, give me like a puzzle, give me just hours on end on like good music. And I will be more than happy to just sit there and do this puzzle for like, like honestly, like up to 12 hours, just drop <laughs> me and I'll be fine. <laughs> I know you also really like um, deception games, don't you? I don't mind them. Um, I like. I do like board games. I just I 
I find I don't have like the mental capacity to do them for hours on end. Whereas I know some people that literally can play like Avalon for hours. Um, you know, I'll be in for like a game or two and I'll be like, okay, this is getting repetitive. I'm out. <laughs> Especially when you play with the same people and you're just like, I know what your tricks are and I know you're yeah. lying, but you're doing it so convincingly and it's just annoying. Yeah. And it's like, well, this time be different. It's like, and you're having like the same like conversations and arguments every time. And they're like, no, but this time I'm really actually honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, craziness. Um, otherwise, just trying to catch up with, like, friends that you don't normally get to see that often. So, like, my my high school friends, we we, we try and catch up once every two to three months-ish, um, which we're actually pretty mm. good at doing um, pre-COVID. But, we've like, we've had VCs almost every week since we all kind of started transitioning into working from home um which has been mm -hmm. awesome like i'm getting to catch up with people that i really really do love but previously it was just you know life got in the way i guess yeah that's awesome though like actually getting to spend some of this time getting to up like upskill on the sense of like cooking and something you're passionate about but also yeah. getting to spend a little bit more time seeing people that right. you're close to and care about yeah. mm -hmm. i feel like you should inspire me though like what have your side projects been Oh, there are too many that I've just dropped. Oh, no. I mean, we have obviously the podcast that we're doing at the, the moment. The sticker company. Oh, the sticker company. I need to hear more about this. So um, we have this podcast. We, me personally, I'm this trying to take... show you something. She, she's got stickers. Um, while she's grabbing them out, I am trying to start singing again. I've got a friend who I used to do music with from my university days, who's moved over to England. Mm. And she's kind of just gotten in contact with me again the last couple of weeks and just been like, I have songs, sing. <clears throat> so getting back into that again is is definitely been something. Um, I'm trying to, because like me and Tamara mentioned, we both did um, UX design recently. Mm. I'm trying to like up my skills on the visual side a bit more and learn how to do more of like a graphic arts kind of thing and possibly do freelance that eventually which feeds into what Tamara is about to show you which is something else we're kind of doing as like a side project oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you need stickers hit me up because the more the more I'm happy to spend nice <laughs> so recently so we had something like a meet and greet that was cancelled because of corona which is like where we sort of they bring people from other companies and we sort of like talk to them and promote ourselves I guess and so me and her you know we discussed like oh like collateral what we could have so we we're like oh stickers the thing so this was supposed to be our sticker yep the podcast one this was supposed to be my personal one but we don't we don't look at her <laughs> I'll show you I'll show you stickers that was like a popular demand from friend groups yeah and so th these are like common <laughs> things they liked are you able to read Palas. <laughs> oh my god these are great yes so these are the, the few ones i've got so far so if you stickers just I'm more than Get her happy up. to do it. Yeah. She's the sticker queen. She did, she actually was the one who designed our sticker for our class when we graduated um, oh, beginning of this yeah. year. Where is it? Which is very on theme with everything at the moment. Yeah. 
because it's just got fire all over it. So, so you know, <laughs> oh, UX wars. Wait, sorry, the, the your, v, your video cut out a bit, so I only got to see like a very small amount of it. It's cutting out again. I'll send you out a again. photo in the group chat. Yes, please yeah. do. Oh my god. But yeah, so we're just trying to keep like busy with stuff like that and things that we can still kind of um, do that I guess could like work towards experience for us. I'm, so yeah, just doing things I think that we can one, do to like make ourselves feel good during this time, but two, also upskill and have more experience to put on our resume for so when things begin to open up again, we are able to go, hey, this is what I've done during COVID. This is how I've like thrived um this is why you should hire me because I don't let things like this stop me yeah I love that mindset I'm gonna ask you one for the lulls for the fun of it sure what profession other than your own would you like to attempt oh man (laughs) that list is quite long (laughs) everything (laughs) so my issue is is that I like to do a little bit of everything. Um, like, honestly, like a little bit of everything. Like, I, I, like you know that like saying like Jack of all trades, master of none? Like, me. Me to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, so like I've had times where I've been like, oh, it'll be so fun to try, try out like fashion design. Like, mm, not that I like, yeah. my sense of style is not like, it, it's decent. <laughs> like, I look okay. Like, I can color coordinate. <laughs> But I'm not like, you know, stylish. At least I don't think I am. But for some reason, I feel like it'll be super cool to like own like a fashion label and be able to like create like clothes that I would like want to wear. But like also sometimes like going to like that baking side of things, like owning like my own bakery. And then I realized how early I would have to wake up, but then actually (laughs) leave the house to do that. And I'm like, uh, maybe not. All of these are fun in theory, but they're also like, I don't want to get up that early. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I would love to have a job where I can be like outside all the time. And like, you know, like, like one of the things I don't like about being a software developer is that you are always like, you need to sit down to to Mm. code. Um, And it's that, you know, that's that screen time. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had a job where I can just like be outside, you know. Maybe I could like run boot camps or something. And then I'm oh like, God, but I'm yes. not like, you know, like I, I like to say I'm fit, but really not. <laughs> well, I felt that. <laughs> yeah. I think I've got one more and it's because there were like other classes that graduated with us. So there weren't just UXs, there were developers, right, Alex? There were a few developers. Yeah, there was a developer yeah. class and a, um, a science starter, I think. Mm. And I think my question for you is because they're sort of struggling with us right now, do you have any advice for them? Like should, how should they be like upskilling or I don't know, something just to keep them motivated, I guess, while they're applying for jobs? This one's tough. I think it's because uh, part of me believes that in the end, it like finding a job also comes down to luck. Mm. Um, and so I think it's like, you could be doing everything right. And if yeah. it's just, if there are just like no positions or mm-hmm. it just so happens that, you know, the, the, the ratio of positions to people applying is out of whack. 
-hmm. Like you could be the perfect candidate for that role, but if that role doesn't exist or it's like just happened to be filled, well, like there's nothing else you could have really done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think big thing is like show your passion when, when you are applying. And like, if you do get to go through to those like phone interviews and stuff, it's let them realize that you're willing to learn on the job and let them realize that you do care about the industry that you're in. Um, and I like, I, I, so I, um, actually run some of the like interviews for our graduates and interns. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like a key thing that we look for, especially in like our junior developers and stuff. Um, I, I tend to focus on the dev interviews. Yeah. I assume it's the same for like UX and design and tech writing and security and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, we, we want to hire smart people, but we want to hire smart people that really care about what they're doing and also that are willing to, you know, work within a team in order to get the best outcome for the company and our customers. There are some really smart people out there that as soon as you kind of question their methods or as soon as you are like, well, like, you know, you can't really do it that way because of restrictions X, Y, Z, they go, but no, this is the right way to do it. And we have to do it this way. Those kind of develop, like those kind of people, uh, regardless of how smart they are, if you can't work in a team, you're not going to last long in a, you know, in in like a, in a multinational company, right? Like you have to be able to be able to work in a team and be able to learn on the, learn on the spot. And, you know, also not be afraid of making an impact. Like if you do think that something isn't right, like call it out, but be willing to also have other people's opinions come back to you and then have those have that open dialogue without it becoming like aggressive or anything exactly you know like you always need to maintain that respect and then that's that's with anything in life you know right like always respect other people it's just a nice just a nice thing to do be a nice human (laughs) be a good person do the right thing be good (laughs) um but yeah i think you know just showing your passion um like upskilling whenever you can like any any knowledge gained is never lost you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it might not be useful to you right now, but maybe it will be in the future. And mm-hmm. worst case, it's something you can talk about at some point when talking to, you know, someone in that field. Um, I think we have one more question. I'm just popping through our questions that we kind of want to go over with you. And I guess it would be just regarding um, diversity mm-hmm. in the space that we work in at the moment. Obviously, the tech industry and especially software development, it is a very... Um, white male dominated industries so hearing your experiences and your point of view on on what it's been like for you working in that kind of industry mm-hmm. i um i have definitely been super lucky when it comes to this aspect um i have the um the most amazing team like i love my team at atlassian um they're all super understanding and they're all super nice um i you know, like, like looking back at my, what is it now? Five year career. Um, feels kind of long, but also kind of short at the same time. I, I haven't ever experienced anything that's made me feel uncomfortable. Um, having said that, the fact that I haven't experienced it doesn't mean that this stuff doesn't exist. Like it does. We, we know it does. Um, mm-hmm. But I can only speak for my experience right and I I, as I said I've been super lucky in that I just have an amazing team around me and they're all super nice um you know they they make sure that all opinions are heard 
and that's not just like you know my opinion is heard because I'm like a female but it's also like is the opinion of our grad and our intern on our team heard um you know is the opinion of of other minorities on the team heard and trying to kind of like level that that playing field in a way and I think Atlassian in itself um has come like a long way so like when I first started these kind of discussions around having you know people from different backgrounds on teams and also like within our interviewing process so it's like you know like do we have different people interviewing so it's not just white males only Mm -hmm. running Mm -hmm. like running our interviews like those kind of discussions weren't really had when I first started and then Mm. we um Aubrey joined as our head of diversity she's no longer in that position but the amount like the amount of effort she put in and the work that she did and like her and her team is just amazing and you see that now these are the kind of discussions that we do openly have at Atlassian which I think is great and like you know the research is there like it shows that teams that do have people of different backgrounds and different you know nationalities different everything really they perform better Mm-hmm. Like, like they produce better outcomes because it's you're not having like that single focus or that single point of view mm-hmm. you're able to like question things and it's only really when we question that we start to go okay well how do we make it better how do we get our outcome to be as great as it can be um so like i this there's, there's still a long way to go in the industry as a whole mm-hmm. um, and even within atlassian like our percentages like if we just focus on like male to female ratios for now like it's still not great especially for like the technical or like the developer roles um but i think the fact that the open dialogue is there is a decent start Mm. and it's just now a matter of making sure that you know how do we get those hiring numbers up without changing standards and changing the bar because that's not something that you know, I, I believe companies should do like, yeah, they're just as capable of capable of performing to the same level as men. We shouldn't have to mm. make decrease a bar to let them in. Like that's just yeah. nonsense. Um, but and then I at think- the same, yeah, sorry. Like just super quickly, like once they're in, it's how do we keep, how do we keep them? Yeah. How do we have a culture that's inclusive of everyone yeah. so that <laughs> once they are hired, they don't feel like, they're being attacked or that they're not comfortable being themselves. And that goes to anyone, right? Like, it's not just, you know, how do we make sure the women feel comfortable? It's how do we make sure everyone who is a minority Mm -hmm. feels comfortable in their workplace? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's like, it's fantastic that even just having that open dialogue, like you said, and getting the ball rolling and going like, how can we ensure that the, that the standards are kept, but that we're making sure that, these jobs are visible to everyone and that everyone has a chance yep. and equal opportunity to apply for them and have that yep. interview and have that opportunity. Yeah. And like, you raise a really good point, right? Like it's a lot of it also is also like, how do we make sure that people are applying? Yeah. Like, like it's known that women will generally apply for a role that's mm-hmm. le- lesser than what they're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Is. That's true. Whereas the inverse is correct for, for males. Right. Mm-hmm. And, well, how do you convince the females that they should actually be applying for these roles? Um, like, I'll, I'll be honest, when I, when I was actually um, applying for my graduate positions, I, Atlassian wasn't even on my list because I was like, I'm not good enough. Mm. 
And it wasn't until one of my friends was like, just do it. Like, what, what are you going to lose? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, oh, you, you already have your resume written up. Um, they're not asking, oh, like, I think it was like your cover letters basically, you know, like just change a couple things around what you've spent like 20 minutes on that submit it. If you get through, you get through If you don't use it as a learning opportunity. And I was yeah. like, hey, you know what? Like, if you're going to do it, I'll do it kind of thing. Um, so like, ended up applying, ended up getting in, ended up like having the best five and a half years of my life so far. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it just know. comes down to like, if you don't take that risk, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you, you just have to sometimes like, and it's a phrase that I've heard way too much lately. You've got to risk it for the biscuit. And it's, it's ensuring that like women, anyone from minority, anyone goes like, okay, I might not think, that I'm enough for this role, but that could yeah. be just not true. That could just be me letting myself self-sabotage, just yeah. apply. Yeah. Cause like yeah. you said, the only thing you can, the only thing that could go wrong is that you get a no, in which case yeah. you, you're, you're not harmed by that. Yeah. I think it's, you need to like, just, just go for it and try and use the outcome as a learning opportunity, no, no matter which way it goes which, you know, like, it, that's not to say that when you do hear that, no, it's not going to suck. Like it does suck. Like, yeah. I've, I've been told no for, 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 for like when I was applying from, from other roles, like, okay, mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> Move on to the next one. <laughs> exactly. Now, that was Mara, beautifully answered. That was beautifully oh, answered. Yay. Like it's completely blocked off for all women. It seems like the door's slightly open and there's still like a chance for it to be even more open. Especially the fact that you said this dialogue's happening. That's more than enough than we've had for years when you think of it. Yeah, I think we just need to make sure that like we keep like like as ourselves it's like if again focusing just on women for now like as ourselves as women we don't give up and then we just try and mm -hmm. educate people and try and get those allies on our side um because there's not like for me there's there's no better feeling than when you see something wrong and mm -hmm. one of your white male colleagues calls it out and you're like I did uh, not have yes. to. They did. <laughs> this is awesome. They're learning. They're getting it. And it's like, this is what we need. And then, like, it allows you to then also be like, well, I have people helping me. How can I then be an ally for others? And it's calling things out, you know, for like yeah, color for sure. and like, you know, sexual orientation and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. Like, you know, how, how do you make the world a better mm -hmm. place for everyone? I love that answer. Oh. Because I think it's good. I think it, like you said, it's so important to have people. Um, like if I know, like when I've had situations where I've been like, wait, is that wrong? Or maybe I'm just like thinking too much. And then somebody else, like a, a white male has called it out and you've just been like, somebody sees it. It's not just me thinking yeah. it, which makes it more real and makes you go, okay, I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah. So that's, I think that's all the questions we've got for you. Thank you for answering them so beautifully, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for being the first Middle Eastern woman on our podcast. I will hype you up very much on LinkedIn. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> is, there, is there anything else you want to share with us or any advice for everyone? Drop a little gem. Oh, I think in the <laughs> end, like in the end, just like, <clears throat> follow your dreams and follow your passion right like 
I, I didn't mention this before, but when I was actually like looking at degrees to apply to, like I, I did have a lot of people be like, why are you doing engineering? It's for males. Like you're not going to enjoy it. Mm. And if yeah. it wasn't for the fact that like I was raised up to like, as long as what I'm chasing isn't harming anyone, like go for it. Right. Yeah. And for me, yeah. like, like my career and what I want to do should be focused on what I, I want out of my life and what I'm going to enjoy. And so I was like, well, you know what, like, I'm going to ignore the haters and I'm, as they say, and I'm going to go for this and <laughs> see how it goes. And I honestly have no regrets doing that. And so just believe in yourself. Like even to this day, I still struggle with that sometimes, you know, like, like there are days mm-hmm. where you kind of like doubt yourself. It's like, Oh, like, am I actually really decent at my job? Or, you know, like, even if it's not your job, just other things in life, but it's like, try and push those thoughts away and like be yeah, your, own, be yeah. your own cheerleader. Because in the end, when like, all the chips are down like if you don't believe in yourself who will yeah mm-hmm. and so you know just try and you know like like fight for what you want and work hard for it because hard work will eventually pay off at least i like to think it does um and you know don't compare yourself to anyone everyone's on their own timeline and everyone's on their own journey like just because someone managed to <coughs> get a job straight out of uni and you know appears to have their life together doesn't mean that they don't have other things that are slightly different than you, right? Like, you know, you might have other things in your life that are going way better than theirs. Yeah. So don't focus on mm-hmm. you know, trying to compare those kind of milestones with other people. It's have, have your own journey and enjoy it. I think that's, and like final thing would just be to say like, thank you. Thank you to both of you for this. Like this has been really awesome and really fun. And uh, thank I, you so much for coming on. Yes, oh, yeah. It was honestly like a really <laughs> great experience. And I think, having like, you know, two kick-ass females as yourself, like running podcasts like this is super awesome to see. And uh, I'm and crying. You can't see. And You're making me really like to hear. <laughs> um, you know, like, I was actually like doing some work today and listening to your podcast and I'm like, damn, this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is really nice, you know? So I hope, you know, you, like wish you both all the best. And like, I really hope that we can just keep in touch because this has been so much fun. Course. It would be great too. And thank you so much for, for coming on and giving such amazing like words of wisdom. I think for for myself as like a woman, for Tamara as uh, another Middle Eastern woman, it, yes, it helps so much to hear like somebody who's doing well and just saying what we I think need to hear as like a group of women. Yes, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So we'll leave it at there and we'll say bye to everyone who's listening once i've heard it um thank you again so much for coming on thank you thank you you're welcome